0: You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, Founder and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial.
1: Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am very excited. This is someone I met through Pete Kozanski at Modern Sales Pros and Atrium. I'm really excited to introduce you. Karen Rohrer is Customer Success and Sales Strategy Lead over at Atrium. Karen, how are you doing today?
2: I'm great. How are you?
1: Oh, my God. Too blessed to be stressed, right? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got that from a, I think it was a Hallmark card at like a car wash, but yeah, it's,
2: <laughs> it's, apt. it's where I get all my life advice.
1: The only thing, I mean, by the time this posts, it'll be long gone, but we have another heat wave here in San Francisco, which is I'm dying. Yes. I'm also in San
2: Francisco in an office with no AC.
1: Oh, very nice. Okay. Well, I had to turn my fan off for this. So if you can hear us sweating through the interview, folks, you heard it here first, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, Pete wanted us to talk data-driven sales management is a huge topic right now. And I know that that's your bread and butter and expertise. So I want to dive into that. But if folks aren't familiar with how you came through the ranks and ended up at Atrium, can you tell us a little bit about your background?
2: Absolutely. So I manage our customer success team here at Atrium, which... Atrium is sales analytics software. So I work with the sales and sales ops leaders at our customers. But my background prior to that was in sales operations. So I set up the sales ops org at Double Dutch, the event marketing software company that was recently acquired by Steven. And after that, went over to LinkedIn after they acquired lynda.com to work on some sales ops kind of structure and process around that acquisition and integration, and then managed North America and EMEA sales operations for LinkedIn Learning. So that when we talk about data-driven sales management, having the kind of sales ops analytical perspective is really helpful. I find definitely, definitely,
1: and those are sales-driven. I mean, you know, data-driven organizations to a T. I actually know some folks who were at Double Dutch. We we can talk offline about some, <laughs> some potential shared connections there. As you came up through the ranks, is that something that, that you had? always been interested in, you know, academically, or did you really see a need for applying a more data-driven approach, you know, in the sales ranks? Because this is relatively new. I mean, sales, I don't know, I've been around for a long time, but it used to be like, you go out to lunch and you go play golf and, you know, Mm -hmm. like wine and dine these people. And it was all about like relationships and stuff. But in the last 10 years, it's Really turn toward more of a data driven approach, it seems.
2: Yeah. So I actually started my career in consulting and private equity. So getting into sales ops happened more because of that. Was the place when I first went over to Double Dutch where there was a really clear overlap of what the company needed at that time and where my skill set was, having already had a kind of very analytical business background. So that was how I got into it was saying, hey, this is something that I can do and figure out and is a place where there's a really clear need for somebody to understand the analytics of the sales motion and the sales team, uh, set up all of the kind of tools and processes. So that was how I got into it.
1: Yeah, and so you, you came, that's really interesting because I think when people come from different industries and then they come into this, a lot of times they're just like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think things are changing so much right now that there's much more of a quantitative approach to how you run sales, you know, organizations. And there's sort of a, there's almost like a gray area in the art and the science of sales. And so when you, Absolutely. In, were you like at those organizations, did they have a very data driven approach or is that something that you came in and said, we need to do this?
2: So LinkedIn has always had a really data-driven approach. So I came in to kind of marry the things that I had learned in startup sales ops with the the structure and the rigor that LinkedIn, you know, talent solutions and the rest of the business already had in place and kind of bring that into Lynda. It double Edge, certainly organizationally, super data-driven company. But it was early enough in the sales organization, there were only five AEs when I started working there, that there was still a lot of figuring out what things should look like. And so the individuals there were super data driven, you know, all of the SDRs were logging everything in Salesforce. So it was great that there was data to start with, but you know, working on what do the AE's sales motions look like? Because you know, their calls and emails aren't getting logged in Salesforce and what Stages actually make sense for the AEs, so that we can look at conversion rates across stages and know that that means a consistent thing. So certainly, like the will was there, right? There was it wasn't like somebody needed to preach religion, but you know, having somebody in to to do the work was was really valuable.
1: And I'm curious, like, say there's someone listening out there, and they know that data is being collected. You know, the team is pretty good at inputting things, and it's in there somewhere. <laughs> it's like and we've got some reports but they don't really tell me what i really need to make solid business decisions like what should someone do if they're in a situation where they need to think you know holistically about a data driven approach
2: yeah so the first thing that you want to understand is what are the things that i most need to know right so on the sdr side that's okay what are the results i want to drive is it Sales qualified opportunities? Is it meetings created? Like, what am I? What is the result that really matters for this organization? And then kind of working your way backwards up to okay, well, if I know how many sales qualified opportunities I need the SDRs to generate in order for the unit economics of the SDR organization to make sense, then What kind of conversion rates am I seeing from all opportunities to sales qualified? What kind of conversion rates am I seeing from meetings to opportunities? And kind of working backwards to understand what sort of quantity and quality is going to make the funnel work, right? And so starting with... I'm trying to set this up for the first time. A lot of this is going to be benchmarks and estimates, right? where you say okay I think this is how this is going to work I've maybe pulled some data from the bridge group to say what are some benchmarks for the industry and even like you know early on I'm measuring I'm not quite getting there but I think I know why I'm not quite getting there right so I have a couple of SDRs but my I know that I'm not investing as much in data quality so here's my plan to invest in that and improve the conversion rates on their activity by giving them better data right so having a plan for how to improve the quantity and the quality of those sales activities so that you can get to a sustainable model.
1: Got it. Okay. So a couple questions for you. You mentioned unit economics, right? So mm-hmm. that, that would be, you know, say you're kind of a mid-level manager, you just took over a team and you're not necessarily privy to those conversations that are happening like we're putting an x number of dollars to the SDR program and this is what we want to get out of it in in results but you know what i found is a lot of companies they don't share that information necessarily with the manager so is it like how do you get a seat at the table you know to be able to have that conversation to say i really need to understand the the whole unit economics of this so that I know what, how to set my goals, but you're basically telling me just go set meetings, like just go hire a bunch of people, like just go (laughs) do it. And they don't necessarily share that information, I guess I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah. I think that at least at a high level, you should understand as an SDR manager, what sort of bookings one SDR needs to generate in order to kind of pay for themselves plus margin, right? Okay. And so I think at that level of detail, if you don't understand that about your team, that's something that you should push on a little bit to be like, hey, you know, if the unit economics of the SDR team aren't sustainable, then that's a problem for you and your job as the SDR manager. And so I'm, you know, a big believer in internal transparency broadly. Obviously, there's sensitivity around sharing any in individual person's salary data or something like that but if you know hey on average to pay the fully loaded cost of an SDR plus you know some margin back to the business so that you know engineers are getting paid and things like that that SDR needs to generate $300,000 of bookings once they're fully ramped which is i'm tossing that number out because that's a good like San Francisco number so that's probably too high for people who are not in San Francisco Something like that, right? That, okay, well, if they need to generate $300,000 worth of bookings as an organization right now, our ASP is 30K, cool. That means they need to generate 10 closed one deals. We have a 20% win rate. That means they need to generate 50 qualified opportunities, right? Like You should understand the math at that level so that you can say, okay, I understand why this is my target for how many qualified opportunities I need to generate. And then you can work backwards from there to understand how to do it.
1: Got it. Okay. So you might have to, I mean, so there's two things. One for for folks listening is, you know, Karen is taking this from a business-centered approach. When you think about unit economics, how well do you really understand the unit economics of your team and how it feeds into the business? Because otherwise, you're just flying blind. And, And in my experience, a lot of executives will not proactively have that conversation with your SDR manager. There's basically like, go be very tactical, make me a playbook, run trainings, and cold call, You know, or tell people how to cold call. Like, just go do that, like, I'm not gonna share this. And they may even push back and be like, why are you even talking about this? You're taking your eye off the ball of those things that you're supposed to be doing. But it's actually really important. It's actually job security to some extent to understand how those numbers work. And then and then to your next point, Karen, it's like, you know, building back the metrics that you need to follow are coming from understanding that unit economics, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because otherwise you're just flying blind. The other thing I wanted to ask you is, okay, so, you know, conversations, like now we're going to the total other side of the report, the, you know, initial hypothesis that you're making. So conversations are really important, right? And sales mm-hmm. development like how many people are actually you talking to and Mm -hmm. replying to your email and stuff like that, or even like on LinkedIn, like how many people are actually writing back and like getting in a Mm -hmm. dialogue. But I've always wondered how to measure that. Like back in the day, it used to be called call connects and you could like check a box in your Salesforce and then you could get some data on how many connections you're making. But how do you, how do you, Measure whether somebody's actually having a conversation with somebody in sales development,
2: yeah. So, there are kind of two answers to this question. One is the easiest one, actually. I'm going to go back and just have one answer is call duration, right? If you have a dialer or sales engagement software that's auto logging all of this to Salesforce, then any call over a certain duration is a conversation, right? So, I think. Having that technology available, that is uh, the most foolproof way, right? The other way that we do it here at Atrium is we look for calendared meetings. And so that's different from Connects, right? That's scheduled Connects. That's, hey, I get you can't chat right now, but we're going to set up some time to do, you know, a quick 10, 15-minute disco call and having that on the calendar with somebody you know, with an external invitee, we measure that as well to say, Hey, how many of these meetings are being scheduled?
1: So it's almost like with your SDRs, it's like a pre-meeting, like the meeting before the meeting. So it's like not necessarily that they get paid for that, but, but it's what they need to do in order to kind of move it forward. Right. Got it. Okay. And then on call duration. So, and not that anybody would do this, but just me being paranoid, like, What if they just call a bowling alley and like hang on hold for five minutes? Would that still count? Or is there, you can't, you can't really know if they're having a conversation, right? That's true. I
2: do also look at the dispositioning, right? So what did they say happened? At some point though, you have to presume some trust in the people that you hired. Yeah, And so I also believe in comping on results and managing to metrics So that like, cool, you can try and game the system, but you're not like really getting anything out of it because I'm not paying you for sitting on hold for a minute. I'm paying you on how many opportunities you
1: created. Got it. I like that. So comp on results, manage on metrics. So for example, like the, not and trust for for sure, hundred percent, but say someone reports back to you and they've got 10 conversations every day for the last six months, but none of those are becoming those calendared, you know, pre-appointments to scope out the project a little bit. And so you could look at that and go, that conversion rate is really weird because you're talking to all these people, but you're not actually following up. So is it like a training issue or are you actually talking to these people? Like, what are you doing? Right. right?
2: right. And that's the kind of thing where if that this person looks like they're having a lot of connects, right. They're having a lot of conversations but their conversion rate is super low. That's something that should sort of flag up in whatever you are using for your metrics early enough that you start to dig in and say, hey, tell me a little bit more about this conversation that you had. Or, you know, it seems like your conversion rate's really low. Why don't I either write along on a couple of your meetings? If you have a call recording software, listen in on a couple of those meetings so that we can try and improve these conversion rates, work on what's going on. And so... If somebody is just trying to to game the conversation system, if you're actively sort of reviewing those conversion rates and things like
0: that, that'll become apparent pretty quickly. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. So hard.
1: I, I always, I always say, like the sales development manager job is so hard. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have so much respect, mad respect for anyone who's a sales development manager. Because if you think about it, you've got to be on top of all these metrics, and you're spending a ton of time developing your team and trying to figure out what's going on. Your executives are riding you because they want more meetings. <laughs> The sales reps are unhappy with the meetings you're sending, the marketing department's unhappy because you're not converting. I mean, it's just like such <laughs> a tough job. So mad props to everybody who's doing it. And so let me ask you the next thing is how can we take this, this? So you've you've created this hypothesis, you know, at the beginning. I'm just spinning out this, this scenario where you're trying to set this up. So you've created mm-hmm. this hypothesis, you have the benchmarks, you're you're starting to see trends, you have a plan. And, and now how can you set that up on like a report or a dashboard or something that makes it, you know, actionable for you, you know, and so it's refreshed and you have that good information every day and you're not scrambling around trying to find the information.
2: Yeah. So we use our own software for this. So that may not be a a universally (laughs) applicable answer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How does it work? I mean, how, how do you, yeah. Tell me about it.
2: Sure. So Atrium pulls in data from Gmail, Google Calendar, and Salesforce. And the information from Salesforce includes any integrations with calling software or anything like that. So that we're pulling in the email data, the calling data, including kind of call to connect rates. And then understanding, you know, how many opportunities did you create? How many of those made it to your sales qualified or sales accepted stage? What was your total volume of activity, emails, calls, accounts? accounts touched? How many contacts per account did you touch? You know, we're working on some things right now around how many total activities does it take to create an for your team and for each person on your team. And so we use that information and then the software does proactive kind of tiering of those metrics and then alerting on them. So what it bubbles up is, hey, who might need help because they have some discrepancies with their performance versus themselves in the past, versus their peers, or versus the goals that you have set for them. And hey, who deserves kudos because they're doing a great job on these? So that's how we how we have that kind of
1: set up. Got it. Okay. And so this is like a dream come true for operations people. And again, like this isn't sponsored by
2: Ethereum or anything. I'm just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's that is how we. Before I was using Salesforce reporting and
1: yeah. Google Sheets with G
2: Connector. So that's
1: what I was doing before. Yeah, exactly. Which is always tough. I mean, and I, I've talked about this before, but sometimes we work with companies and we're trying to set up an account based sales development program. So it's like you watch the webinars and you read everything about how to go after an account based you know, market with the, that approach. But then when you actually try to connect everything and make it some sort of report to be able to 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 understand how you're penetrating the market, it's it's a joke. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. so there's nothing out there. Well, it sounds like Atrium, so we gotta figure out what we gotta (laughs) but but so you can you can connect all these different things to get like one pane of glass and be able to monitor this this you know, program that you're putting in place. Yeah, that's the idea. Okay, that's amazing. All right, so so now, now what do we do? So we've got all the information pumping in. We're starting to see trends. We're starting to see, you know, we can kind of diagnose, you know, what's going on with the team based on real data. Now what do we do?
2: So now you, this is where the kind of human brain of a manager becomes really important and really high leverage, right? Now you have to act on that information. So if you are, have, you know, whether it's Salesforce reporting, whether it's a sales analytics tool set up and you're seeing things that are going really well or that are going less well, that's when you prep for your one-on-ones by reviewing that information and then go into your one-on-ones ready to have a conversation about, Hey, here are the things that are going really well what about your approach, maybe transferable to the rest of the team, maybe let's do a a team meeting and, and, you know, training, brainstorming session around this thing that you're really great at, right, to give people professional development opportunities, and to, to kind of show off where they excel. And for areas where they're falling behind a little bit or struggling a little bit, like, hey, you know, this is where I see that you're really struggling, let's dig into that. Let's talk about What's happening, you know, kind of we were talking about connect rates earlier that's making your connect to opportunity creation lower. Let's talk about the conversations that you're having in that connect. Let's talk about how you're doing your objection handling, right? That's the thing that can make that conversion rate lower so that we can coach you so you can be successful.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's not necessarily a bludgeon, like just all negativity, like, hey, your conversion rates suck. Like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) <laughs> not, that, not that anybody would do that, but you're, what you're saying is, hey, let's make this a positive and bring in the best practices that people are doing that we wouldn't even know about if we didn't surface this data. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's, let's build off of that and make that like part of the training and, and share that information. And then on the flip side, if you see, I almost envision this like red, yellow, and green, right? So this this one's this one's in red and it's like, we need to fix this fast before this gets out of hand. I mean, then, then what do you do?
2: And so that's where, depending on what it is that's read, right? That tells you where we need to dig in to figure out how to fix this, right? If it's read because somebody is just not doing enough activity, that's a very different conversation from hey, this specific conversion rate is what seems to be breaking. So let's talk about
1: skills to improve that. Right, okay. So so again, using it as a it's, a, it's sort of an ongoing you know, subject matter for your next training. So this is great because now we're giving all this SDR managers on the call, we're giving you how to prepare for your one-on-one in a way that's actually impactful. So it's not just you sitting there going, what is wrong with you, Johnny? You know, <laughs> it's like, instead you have some actual data that you can bring up. And then also it's like looking at this once a week, you can say, looks like across the board, you know, we're doing really well in this area. Let's try to promote that. But we really are struggling in this area. So we need to do some training to address. Mm-hmm.
2: That. Exactly. Yeah. And if you have a structured one-on-one where you're like, here's our agenda, it's going to be your agenda every week. Here within each agenda item are the questions that I'm trying to answer as an SDR manager. And then here are the pieces of data that can help me answer those questions. Kind of taking that sort of a structured approach to your one-on-one that will tell you, oh, these pieces of data that will help answer these questions are what I need to go look at when I'm prepping,
1: right? Exactly. And so it, it really takes a lot of the, you know, the thought pro like. As a manager, you're managing so many different things. I mean, it's it's coming at you. You're, you're kind of mm-hmm. almost in reaction mode. And so th- with this, this approach, you can be much more proactive and, and you're running the business versus the business running you, it seems.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And something like that, you can block time on your calendar to prep for the one-on-one, put a link in that calendar invite to the Salesforce dashboard or whatever it is that you're going to look at where that data lives. And then it's you know kind of right there on your calendar every week that okay here's my time to prep and go make sure I've reviewed all of this so I'm going into the one on
1: one to make it
2: really productive and really about where I can coach and improve this
1: sales rep. Got it. Okay. And so now uh, just you know why you know coming back around, you've you've been running this for six months. You made a hypothesis. You're starting to see trends. You're starting to see things go up a little bit, and then. Do you, do you go back in and almost do like an analysis of your analysis and see if you're actually measuring the right things every few months? Mu- is it like a, is it like a set project timeline or, uh, and then you have like iterations on the dashboard or do, are you just constantly doing that as you go through?
2: So a little bit of both, there are going to be some things that you will always want to look at. Right. So what your actual results metric is, is not going to change, right? Kind of what sales activities are available to you might change, right? Like you might start sending texts through your sales engagement platform and you can measure that also. But a lot of the actual metrics are going to be roughly the same. It's the importance of the different metrics that might change a little bit more over time. So, hey, we were really focusing on this for the past quarter We've actually seen some great improvement. So now we just want to maintain and we're going to shift our focus to something else next quarter. Also, the benchmarks of where you want to be, those are the things that should get looked at, reevaluated, especially if you started with here's my hypothesis based on general benchmarks and compare that to here's what I actually saw last quarter. That might make you reevaluate some things around what success looks like for your organization, right? Because if you're selling to developers, what your success motion looks like is going to be pretty different than if you're selling to salespeople in terms of sort of what mix of activities you might want to be doing.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, that's what makes it so hard because you're, you're going along, I've been in situations where, you know, they've been tracking this, they've been noticing, they've been trying all these different things. And like, nothing sticking, like the metrics are still flat or even going down. And it's just like, you get in the situation where everyone is just going, what do we do? And in some cases, it's just maybe the market wasn't even ready for having a sales development program, which is really scary. you know. Like there wasn't a good product market fit and we shouldn't have ever had a sales development program or something like that. And then, or it could be like, The creativity of the leader or the people that are, you know, making the initial hypothesis wasn't there. So it's it's so complicated. But without the data, how how do you even know, right?
2: Right, right. If you if you don't have the starting point of well, here's where we were. Here's what we tried to to improve this. If it didn't work, kind of here are the the set of hypotheses for why it didn't work. Right. Then that might guide you to is this a leadership problem or is this, you know, like you said, a product market fit problem where maybe there's a mismatch and we're not able to, to overcome that.
1: Right. And also if you can't, if you're not following Karen's approach to putting this together, I promise you that you will get called out by somebody. Like usually someone scary, you know, on the executive <laughs> Or something like that who wants this information and is very, you know, analytical and it's just like, expects you as a manager to be able to produce this report. And if you can't, you are, even if you're working eight hours a week and you're a great person and you love your family and all this stuff, <laughs> it's going to be a horrible situation. So I would go back and rewind this <laughs> t- do this because this could save your jobs, right?
2: Yeah, I think there is a bias in the absence of countervailing information to to blame one individual for, oh, there's a problem in the SDR organization rather than to, to ask the broader question. And so certainly coming in and proving some competence by saying, hey, this is where we are. This is what I'm trying to do, right? That is what will overcome that
1: bias. Exactly. I mean it's almost, you know, think like a business owner and it almost takes me back to you, where your your background, you know, in in the finance space, you know, you came into this thinking like the broader picture of a business owner, you want to understand what what's the ROI of, of your department and your activity and mm-hmm. if you don't have this this report or you're not running this then you're just in the dark, and and from a business owner perspective, it's like, come on, you know, yeah. <laughs> so you could see how it would be really frustrating for them.
2: Absolutely, well, and I think you know, if you're an SDR manager, that's part of your professional development as well, right? Is to think more broadly than just okay, I've been given a goal, I'm going to go execute on that goal, right? As you think about your roles beyond an SDR manager as you grow in your career,
1: big time. And I think that that's It's difficult, like I said. There's all these factors of people coming at you, and they're usually disappointed in something, and they're pointing the finger at the SDR manager. So you go into reactive mode, and you're not thinking broadly. And you're like, I'm I'm making the playbook. Oh no, I gotta hire some people, and oh, marketing's mad at me. You know, you start to get into this like, ah, you know, just overwhelmed. (laughs) (laughs) And and I feel like by having this this approach set up you have something to anchor on and talk about you know at the executive level.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And most people if you are being proactive and coming to the table with a constructive approach then it maybe won't turn into marketing being that you it'll turn into hey, these inbound leads aren't converting at the level we thought they were going to convert at. Let's talk about some solutions, right? Instead of it being marketing's shaking their finger that the SDRs aren't converting our leads.
1: Right, right, exactly. And one of the things, you know, that came to mind too is usually the people that are the most upset about the SDR program are the AEs. You know, they're just kind of like disgruntled and they and this is I probably have a bias thing because <laughs> like we usually talk to people who are upset, but they're like the leads aren't very, you know, the meetings aren't that good. They're not converting. Like, I'm really disappointed. I don't know what they're doing. And and so, you know, how would you use this approach to interact with them?
2: Well, so I think, you know, if the STR's ultimate goal is sales qualified opportunities, then the SDR leadership and the AE leadership need to be aligned on what a qualified opportunity is, what that means. And if the qualification criteria are documented in the opportunity, then it becomes a lot harder for the AE to say, no, this was a garbage job. So I think that's part of it. And then I think, you know, the SDR manager being able to sit down with the AE manager and say, hey, this is the funnel that we're working with. Here's where I think the biggest area for improvement is. And here are the things that I'm doing to improve it, right? That proactive and data driven approach, I think. Like I said, I think it leads to a more constructive conversation, right? Because then if the AE manager disagrees with the approach, they can say, I think this other area might be a bigger issue. Like, can we talk about this instead of just, you're not giving me enough ops or the ops that you're giving me are, are not good enough or whatever.
1: Right. And and I mean, the main, like the leading, you know, complaint is, I just don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like they're over there, you know, and this is the AE or the AE leadership talking about the SDR team, you know, they're just like, I don't know, they're over there. They're making, they're doing something. And <laughs> we're not, we, we have no pipeline. We have no pipeline, you know? And so, yeah, but I, <laughs> this at least gives you some air. We are
2: doing things. Here they are. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> I love it, Karen. This is great. I've really enjoyed this. I think that people will get a ton of value. How do we get in touch with you and, connect with you to learn more about Atrium?
2: Absolutely. So Atrium, you can find at atriumhq.com. And if you hit the contact link, that'll come to a shared inbox. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I am Karen Rohrer, R-H-O-R-E-R. So those are probably, and Karen at atriumhq.com if you want to email me with any questions directly.
1: This is perfect. I think that you would be a great mentor to people who are just getting into this career. They maybe were an SDR, you know, a few months ago and they were really good. So they made them a manager and they're just like, now what do I do? You know, I think, and I'm not like nominate, you know, volunteering, <laughs> <laughs> that you're really busy, but I think that you would be a great mentor for people that are trying to figure this out. Thank
2: you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, if you are one of those people and you want to reach out, you know, I'm generally happy to, to grab coffee with folks. So,
1: yeah. Yep. And we'll make it an iced coffee right now because it's like 100 oh. degrees. But Thanks <laughs> <sweating> so
2: much.
0: <laughs> Karen, thank you so much for being on the show. And Thank you, David. Soon. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10Bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10Bound.com.